Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Caught Offside. With Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside from just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. The Champions League quarterfinals are set. What's up, brother? Hey, man. Um, Before we get to that and and many of the other things we, we have to talk about tonight, I met you today briefly outside of your workstation. And your hands were so blue that I was genuinely concerned one of them was going to fall off. You looked like you'd been working in a Siberian gulag. They Uh were blue, like the Cookie Monster. I think you're exaggerating. I did not notice that. I don't feel well. No, you don't. And you don't look well. You don't sound well. But you're an absolute trooper for, for just... Look... How many weeks have we missed of this podcast in eight years? Zero. I think we're entitled to one, to be honest. You think there's one coming? I think we're entitled. Yeah. But I, I th- I, to quote Polly Walnuts, I think we're entitled to Ugats. Um, <laughs> I filed our taxes for the first time today as a company. Well, how about that? Yeah. You owe me money. <laughs> how can we owe anything? We don't. We don't owe anything. You owe me money because this is a partnership 50-50. So, uh, oh, you mean for having them done? Well, none of this needs to be aired on the on the show. No one cares about any of this nonsense. <laughs> uh, fun pod we have coming up for you here tonight, as uh, we'll put a bow on the Champions League round of sixteen. As it kind of, I don't know. I think what you said last week still applies this week. Kind of a dud. Yep it it, um, it petered out. Yeah, um, but we know how these things go. It's not. That's like the thing that always bothers me with with the dunk contest in the NBA. It's like you'll get a bad one one year and like immediately people just people don't have that gear of like, <laughs> oh, yeah, tough one this year. Oh, well, instead they go right to get rid of it. <laughs> get rid of it. It's done. Like, obviously, no one's claiming that with the Champions League. But like, 
you know, you get your overreactors and all that stuff. It was a bad round. It wasn't that exciting. There wasn't really much drama, except for one game, which we will talk about, of course, um, before we get out. Although that one didn't actually have any scoring in it. So yeah, I guess say what you want. But we'll get to all of that. Uh, the U.S. announced its squad for the upcoming Nations League matches in the uh, international window. Some interesting names on there or not on there. However you view it. So uh, we'll go through some of that. CONCACAF Champions League, one of the great upsets in the history of the sport. I don't think that's an exaggeration. No, nope. uh, We'll get to that as well. So there's really, there's a lot to do here, JJ. But like I said, we'll start in Europe uh, for the Champions League. Let's start, let's start with the most recent one, the game earlier today, the, the drama, or not the drama, the glamour fixture of this round, Liverpool and Real Madrid. Um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of us during... Um, not even just this Klopp era, just sort of the way Liverpool is in Europe. Even when they're out, they're not out. Like that's sort of the way that we've been kind of like trained to view them. And so watching today, you kind of, you were kind of waiting, okay, when's it going to come? When's it going to, when are we going to see it? And it just, it just never did. Uh, This season, they're just not that team. And uh, quite frankly, they go out with, with really a whimper um, in the round of 16 of the competition. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's fair. It's 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 so weird, and uh, it was remarked to me uh, at the Brooklyn Supporters Club in the Monroe today that it is so strange to go out with this whimper to kind of not look like the team we've become accustomed to in the last few years in Europe. It's been we've been spoiled, absolutely spoiled. Um, today the first half. It did. That's the thing with Liverpool. They do keep you hanging on a bit because there were little bits in the first half that made you think, God, this team is is playing so much better than they did against Bournemouth at the weekend. Well. Yeah. Which is not which is not to say much. Um, like you had Nunes forced to say he forced two saves out of Courtois strong. He he forced one really good save out of Courtois. The other one was fairly standard. Um but really, I mean, if you look at the XG from the, the, the full-time manager, Real Madrid, 2.34, Liverpool, 0.46. It just, it never came, the barrage, the the all-out attack, that kind of heavy metal football, that that intensity. Um, Madrid were just comfortable. Um, and honestly, they could have scored goals themselves more than the one that they got. Um, I think Alison Becker did do something great for Liverpool tonight. I think he pulled oh. off one one of the great all time saves in in Champions League history on the Vinicius attempt. Uh, absolutely, shades of uh, Dudek against Shevchenko, just sticking out an arm and praying for the best. I still think, and you'll agree with me, that whatever, however good this Alison save was, it's almost sacrilege that you mentioned Dudek there. Dudek had far less time to react. It was point blank range. It was. It was. It's that's the greatest save I've ever seen, given the circumstances and just like what actually transpired there. Uh, So I just mean, I just mean the like the type of save, just like point blank. They're both point blank, and they're both just. I'm going to throw out an arm and just kind of hope that I that I can stop this, and somehow they both did. That's all. It was a, ma- a truly amazing save. Um, Modric had a volley as well in the first half. That was, I mean, he caught it so perfectly that there was a part of me, a weird part of me, thought if that goes in, that's just amazing. Um, but it uh, it didn't. It just went over the angle. Honestly, um, I don't think there's a ton to say about this. 
Klopp kind of withdrew people in the second half, realizing the the writing was on the wall, and maybe to save them for battles ahead. Um, yeah, it's it's not good. It's it's six two. Liverpool are out, and I don't know. There's a, there's there still is to me an overwhelming feeling, d- despite the seven nil, um, which I do feel people read a lot into as amazing as it was, and it was amazing. Um, this team is is under reconstruction. It, it it is, and I'm not sure what we saw in the first half of the Klopp era can be replicated again. And so we may be putting a cap on the on the truly. It's not to say Liverpool can't be good or can't be competitive in Europe, but that force of nature that they were in the first five years of Klopp, I'm not sure we're seeing that again. Uh, hard to say. We're not seeing it this year. I don't know. Ah, just, no, no, no. Ah, could no. be an off year. They could reload. No, but the per- reload to try and capture and get back to what they were that uh, time. Yeah. If we're setting the bar at 90 plus points and Champions League finals every other year. That's not happening. That's going to be hard. Sure. Yeah. I'll grant you that. I'll it's grant not, you that. It's not happening. They're not getting close to it without without some absolute major surgery. And I think... I think Liverpool can still be a great side. I, 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 sorry, excuse me, a good side, a competitive side, but um, but it just makes me appreciate those like seventeen, eighteen, eighteen, nineteen, nineteen, twenty. Those were just some absolutely amazing seasons, and the the levels of football were just tremendous. And um, and 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 like my friend said at the bar, absolutely spoiled. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Now, the the other side of this, the Real Madrid side, is probably the side I'm more intrigued by. Um, you know, their their league form has been questionable this season. Doesn't look like they're going to really challenge here uh, as Barcelona kind of running away with it. Um, but in this competition, once again, Real Madrid showing who they really are, I suppose. Do they look like favorites to you now? Um, well, they're favorites in the sense of We've just we we have kind of scar tissue or muscle memory or whatever now with with them over the past seven eight years in this competition, and that we believe they are favourites even when they're not playing unbelievable football even when domestically they're not going well they know how to win in Europe they're they're in the same way Tottenham used to be called a good cup team <laughs> Real Madrid in a much more successful way are a brilliant Champions League team and so that's why you have them favourites but I'm I, I'll call them favourites just because I've been stung by them so many times before but there there are there are potential there are potential snipers in the long grass for this side I'll be honest JJ I have very little to say about this one this was kind of just I don't know a game that happened yeah there was an unbelievable emptiness after the game there was no and again, it's been spoiled by Roma and and Man City at home, and like the drama of Barcelona and and the and the remontada and all that. Like it's like there was a f- just like energy left. There was residual energy in the building. There was ghosts in the building. Anytime you would go to a bar to watch Liverpool, there was like this Champions League energy, this fog in the air. And you had none of that tonight. It, this is a game that happened. Yeah, I mean, it's not as it's it's not as noteworthy as say the twenty fourteen one nil defeat because, in fairness to Klopp, he did put out a team that he felt could win, 
whereas Brendan Rodgers completely decided to oh, betray he... the culture of the club. <laughs> yeah, he, last... con- he conceded before that ball had been yeah, kicked. He Klopp did. Was, Klopp was never going to do that. No, now, I don't did. mean this as an offense to Brendan Rodgers, but I think Klopp just has too much respect for Liverpool's history in this competition. Yes, well, I mean, <laughs> Brendan <laughs> right? Rodgers uh, completely lost the run of himself then. Absolutely crazy decisions, though. But like the fact that we're talking about the 2014 game and not more about this one, um, there's just so little to say. I'm trying to think of a really cohesive Liverpool move. And I guess it was that ball that was flicked into the gap by Trent Alexander-Arnold. Really good ball. And and Mohamed Salah just ran onto it and he squares it for... No, it's in the air, but he he squares it for um, for Jota. And Jota shanks his volley. That's the best thing I can say about it. Like, it was just, it was just a game that happened. Uh, I know Klopp talked about there being only a small percentage chance of them coming back. Well, that rang true. Um, yeah, it's just not the team of the past four or five years, five, six years in Europe even. And uh, and that's it. On Real Madrid, go and and we'll see what they're made of after that. Yeah, and just to watch them, I mean, like we said, we talked about whether or not they're favorites. If they're not one, they're 1A. It's, it feels like that kind of thing. God, did they look... I mean, there are moments, again, they only scored one in this one, six over the two legs. There are just moments where they look so, so dangerous. Seeing like Luka Modric, the way, you know, the the one in the corner, JJ... When he flips the ball, he kind of like flicked it over Trent Alexander-Arnold and played in the uh, the perfect cross to Fede Valverde, who just fired it, uh, headed it just over the bar. Yeah. And they just have some of these moments where they're, they're just so, they are fun to watch. For whatever we think of this game as being kind of blah, a blah finish to a, a glamour fixture. Um, it it they, was a good first. It was a very good first half. And a lot of that was from great attacking Real Madrid play. That has the, to be said. Yeah, Even the goal they scored, like, yeah, it wasn't a thing of beauty, but it's still like, it's still Vinicius on the ground making a perfect pass to Benzema to set him up for the for the goal. Like it's just they're great. They're a great team. Uh and it's not not really a revelation in saying that. They're the defending champions of this competition for a reason. Uh, but I think it was over the course of the two legs, I'd say that was that was on display. Let's continue now. Uh let's go to yesterday or Tuesday's game. Um, Manchester City and RB Leipzig. Holy crap. <laughs> just yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, City. I do think, and again, this is, uh, City were scintillating and it was a complete destruction. But there were things that happened where you're like, this allows City to build that momentum. You know. What, the penalty? It's not a penalty. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. But I'm not going to. I'm also not going to use it to delegitimize this win. They won. No, it's nil. no. It's oh no, no. City were well worth their win. They were so far better. It was crazy. But then on the other hand, Andrew, there was a one of RB Leipzig's most. I mean, their only probably really great play, uh, where it was. I think it's a Schubertschlei had the ball in the left left back position. Lovely turn. Dinks the ball in over the top. I can't remember who it was for that was racing on. And Ederson oh. just comes out and absolutely floors him. And that should be a red card. He's out of control. He's completely dangerous. He's endangering the opponent. It's reckless. It's a it's a red card. Instead, the referee gives a free kick the other way and a yellow card to the RB Leipzig player. I think yeah, I think Timo Werner got one for dissent. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. I, like uh, yeah, crazy. I thought that was that was blockers. I don't. I don't really know what to say. But even about still, that. like City were just so far ahead that you wonder what the hell was going on in the first leg. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. That's a good point. Um, yeah, this was this was one of those where you know it's one one going into the second leg, and our muscle memory of Manchester City in this competition against an opponent, while RB Leipzig are good, they're a good team. They're inferior to Manchester City. We can all agree on that. We can certainly agree on it after what happened in the second leg. But like you see that one one City in a game that they should win. Are we going to get pep brain? Is that going to happen again? Is the overthinking going to set in? No. Oh my God, no. This was just City unleashed. It was like he just, not to say that Holland's been on a chain this season, hardly, but it was like he just like, like a like he threw a piece of meat out there and and sent Holland in like a wild dog. Okay, go get it. Uh, he was, and he was outrageous. One One thing about Holland as we kind of get into him here. Tell me if I'm wrong, but is it weird, JJ? He scored five goals in this game. I don't think any of them were memorable. No. They were um, all like, I'd have to see the stat of like, what do you think is like the average distance out from the goal that they were scored? Like two meters? Like they were all just like little rebound tap-ins and I, I a penalty. Supp- I suppose the uh, the goal where it's De Bruyne's shot that hits the crossbar, by the way, with his left, yeah, even yeah. though he's a right-footed player and he absolutely nails it. And the fact that he reacts first ahead of Vardial, that was kind of real kind of striker's instinct there, I guess. But even still, he's got the momentum running in at that ball. And uh, But yeah, they were they were kind of tap-ins. They were... He's not going to get the ball in the way that he would have got it at Dortmund anyway. it's That's just not going to happen. I mean, we've been through this before. That early pass when he makes the run off the shoulder, he would get that every single time from Brandt or Royce or whoever at Dortmund. He's not going to get that at City because Pep doesn't believe it. Pep's afraid you get that early ball, it's cleared or it somehow doesn't make it through. I mean, he I distinctly remember in the first half, down the left, uh, it was, I think, I'm trying to remember, was it Clive Tilsley on the call who said it was like uh, watching somebody in a 100-meter sprint as he just mm. like blew past the defender and got a shot off on net that was saved. I mean, it does happen. It's not never. Pep probably hated that. He was absolutely terrified <laughs> by that. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Um, but nevertheless, whether the goals were highlight real caliber or not, just a ridiculous performance. And to do it in 63 minutes, God almighty. Pep said he took him off at that point because he didn't – I, I mean, I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said here, but he didn't want him to break the record and get that sixth one. He wants because he's so young. He wants to keep that as as sort of like, you know, a carrot at the end of a stick for Holland to be chasing deeper into his career. Uh, he, I, mean, sure, it, I mean, he would have gotten it. I, f- I feel like that horse has bolted with with Holland, considering how quickly he's got to like all these ridiculous numbers of goals in the Champions League before he turns twenty something. You know, like I don't know. Pep wants to keep his strikers strikers humble. Period. Period. He doesn't want strikers to think that they're the main part of the team at all. And if anything, he wants the strikers to think more like midfielders. So it's uh, he's always going to have that kind of that kind of reaction. Can, can I um, read you something that really annoyed me? Sure. I, I'm, like it's a it's a it's a Twitter feed that we regularly quote because it's good and it's got some nice stats and stuff on it. Squawker, you know Squawker. Uh-huh. Uh, Josko Vardial did not make a single tackle or interception versus Manchester City. This is one of the best players at the World Cup. And and the next line is what got me. Not the best interview in front of potential future employers. Not the best interview. Like, 
Why does everything, when it comes to Premier League teams, the top teams, the uh, Liverpools, the Cities, the Manchester Uniteds in particular, and Arsenal to a to a degree, why is everything like an interview? Why is he not going out to play for Leipzig for his team to do the best that he can to get them to the advance? Like our brains are so fried and warped by by the golem we've created. You're right. In the Premier League, that we have to, that this is a language we talk about. It was the bloody Champions League knockout round. You can just say he was crap and leave it at that. Why is, if if he's going out there in his mind, well, I'm, you know, I might get playing for these guys. Like, what is the point of competitive sport anymore? What so, is the point of European competition? And it just goes yeah. tonight, uh, last night was grim in the sense, obviously, if you're a Man City fan, you're delighted, but like, I'm, and I'm, I'm talking about the Premier League, not City in particular. It's a grim one if you're in the rest of Europe. When you see stuff like that, you're like, that's that's not good. You're, so you are correct. Like, I, I, that's, I think your mindset on this is the right one. Um, but we have been conditioned to think this way, so I don't blame them necessarily. And we've been conditioned to think this way almost specifically with that player. That's what was talked about at the World Cup when he was performing that way. Is oh, the big clubs are all going to have their eye on him. Like that's just that's just been the conversation around him for the last four months or even more. Uh, like we all know his release clause. What is it? One hundred twelve million. Like why do I know that? Because like it's a thing. Right. It's just a thing. Like we. So I'm not I'm not surprised to hear that. I but just I, hate the tone. Like, of I it. like your sentiment. Like, yeah. I, I, that we should just you know why does everything have to be about the food chain? Why can't we just watch the game? A, a thousand percent. Right. I get what you're saying. Now, to keep pulling on this thread of Leipzig's defending, JJ was the worst defensive performance I think I've ever seen. Literally. I've never seen set pieces like this. It was every single one. One corner after another after another. A city player getting ahead on it, heading it to another city player, scoring. Like, where where was anyone? I mean, the give up in Leipzig in this game defensively was pretty shocking. Yeah, it was terrible. And... It was good that Willie Orban had a nice story that was told by Clive Tilsley about him donating bone marrow the weekend before to 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 somebody who desperately needed it. Why do you it have was, to, why do you have to go there? Now I feel bad. No, I know, but it was it, it kind of sustained uh, like I I thought about it for forever thinking that is such a cool thing to do. That is such an amazing uh to give a stem cell donation like that. What a you know, to save a life, a fellow human being. Amazing. Oh, my God. Are these not the worst professional defenders you've ever seen? It was shocking. It was really, really bad. I, yeah, they... I don't know. I mean, set pieces at this level are not supposed to be that easy. In the, in the Champions League against top level competition and knockout stage, every single one of them. I don't know. That was, it was pretty eye-opening. I mean, look, City imposed themselves on their opposition. Yes. But Leipzig also made it very, very easy for them. We'll we'll see how it manifests itself going forward, but um, yeah, I just I couldn't help but think that I was, I was as I was watching, just like somebody get ahead on the ball, but yeah. no, never yeah. never and and, never and then there was the odd goal, like the <laughs> what are they supposed to do about Kevin De Bruyne's goal? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like the way he wraps his foot around that and bends it in, he was it was just absolutely brilliant. Would you say he answered the call? Pep challenged him two days earlier. Oh, in, it was in, incredible. In ter- I think in terms of this game, absolutely, yeah. I really do. Um, but but again, we're, the level of opposition was, yeah. I mean, Leipzig from the first leg, Leipzig from the second leg, just, yeah. 
um, with Holland. This season has been, not in my opinion, but in the in the opinion of many, it's been a bit of a seesaw. For however, whatever his goal statistics are that he's putting up, there is sort of a seesawing of opinion. One week he's the Premier League player of the season. The next week he's part of Manchester City's problem. Does a game like this, five goals in a Champions League knockout stage match that was at one point hanging in the balance. Um, does that quiet the critics for at least the rest of the season? Do we have to continue to hear that he's in some way a problem? No, it's not going to do it against Leipzig, unfortunately. It's just not. They're not the name. You, you have to have them doing it against your Manchester United and against your Liverpools. And so far, that kind of hasn't happened, even though he's been good. I mean, very been good. good. Jesus. Yeah. Very good. What, 28, records. 28 Premier League goals? Just, yeah. But no, it. these aren't the games that stick in the mind. They just a aren't. Knockout, even... A Champions League knockout stage match? No. Not against that level of opposition. Unfortunately, no. And in a blowout game, no. If if that was 3-2 and a Holland hat-trick, that is weighted way more than four goals in a 7-0. That's the way we remember things in football. Yeah, I guess you're right. But I don't know. It was there was not was enough jeopardy for his goals to be like, oh my god, look what but he's he. Done. But but that's because of his own doing. He made it that way. I know, but like our, this is the way our minds are conditioned when we watch football. It's it's the dramatic element was not there, and you need it for for the for the long term memory. Now, if he does this in a quarterfinal, not not this specifically, but if he comes up with the goals that win tight games and important games and and games where City are are caused to um. What what's the what's the word that uh, Guardiola uses? Uh, not pain, struggle. I, I'm I'm how am I blanking on this word? On this word, anyway. Uh, relax, drink water. No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> guys, guys, guys. Relax and drink water. Uh, no, not that one. But there's a word he always he, he he says, and it's about it's basically they make them they make the opposition the opposition make them feel pain. It has to be a painful game in which he comes up good for it to stay kind of seared into the memory he's something he is a special player and if this is what city are going to look like i mean oh oh doctor it's uh oh doctor yeah who was it was that mel allen there's an old baseball announcer who used to say stuff like that i think on home runs oh doctor something like that you know i I just make that up i I don't know someone will check fact check me i I thought it was mel allen mel allen who who was he the who who did he play by play for Yankees, Yankees. Right? Um, now I don't know anything anymore. It's funny you should mention that. I uh, or is it Phil Rizzuto? Am I thinking of Phil Rizzuto? You talk. I'm going to look this up. We're going to. All right, an okay. So just because we're talking about baseball announcers, I was struggling to sleep last night, and I watched uh, Joe Buck, the Joe Buck show from about eleven or twelve years ago with Artie Lang, Jason Sudeikis, and Paul Rudd on where Artie Lang just completely shuts the show down. Uh, but he told a brilliant story about uh, Joe Buck's father, which... Um, I was there, uh, by the way, for that. You were you, you know were that? in the audience? I was what? in the audience. Were you? Yeah. The most... I somehow, I, I was given free tickets. I think all the <sighs> tickets were free, but I somehow came into them. Uh, yeah, it was pretty shocking. One of, one of the great TV moments and, and, and absolute roasts and destructions from Artie Lang. It was it was he was out of his mind that night. Absolutely crazy. Uh but Artie told this story about Jerry uh, Coleman, by the way. That's the announcer. Jerry Coleman. I'm sure people were listening to this. Actually, I don't know. Does anyone know he's an announcer from like 
50 years ago. <laughs> anyway, continue. I already told a story about uh, Joe Buck's dad when he was the Cardinals uh, announcer, play-by-play guy. And uh, I don't think I'll repeat it. I, I, I to tell people if you're if you're of a of an adult age to go and watch Artie um, on that show on the Joe Buck show on HBO. But uh, Paul Rudd also had a story about Joe Buck's dad, and these kids came up to Joe Buck's dad and and said, um, "Oh, Mister Buck, we'd love to be commentators like you. We'd love to we'd love to do play by play. What advice have you for us?" And he just goes, <laughs> "Start smoking." <laughs> Yeah, they all yeah. did, right? Harry well, Callis. Uh, yeah. I think they all, yeah. Yeah, that just reminded me. I, I couldn't sleep last night. That's one. What What are your go-to YouTube videos when you're like bored or, or you need to watch something? What are the ones that like you always the, What are the to? rabbit holes that I'll get sucked down? Yeah. Uh, there's, I mean, they're, they're usually sports related, although sometimes I'll get sucked down a Norm MacDonald one and that'll be two hours gone. <laughs> like, I mean, just gone. Like it never, it's almost frightening. Uh, Norm Macdonald YouTube rabbit holes are are unbelievable. Uh, but there's like various like Philadelphia sports montages, yeah. Tottenham montages. I'll go and just like rewatch the second leg highlights of Tottenham Man City. <laughs> um, like ver- various great moments in Syracuse basketball history, like John Gillen's three at the buzzer against Duke. Like I do have my like go to's when I just am like bored need something on YouTube. Like it's, it's usually sports. Patrick Robinson's pick six against the Vikings. Uh, I just, I have, I just know what they are. Yeah. I have, um, I often put on um, uh, Bill O'Reilly do it live. Cause I can't get over it. It's just so funny. It's just so funny. I like to, the way that you, that he spoke to those people. What do you mean to play us out? And then sports wise, when I come in a little bit toasty from the bar and, uh, and, and like, I just don't want to go to bed yet. I will uh I will crack open another beer and I'll watch highlights of the 2001 FA Cup final uh, Liverpool versus Arsenal. How Liverpool won that game. <laughs> oh my it, god, JJ. I'm a dis- this is a disaster. It is an absolute disaster. This has been the hardest pod I think I've ever done to get through. Oh my with god, how I the, feel right now. It's the mucus gross. levels. And you just you you can see it. We're on we're not on YouTube right now, so only you can see me. It's gross. You, what disgu- you you genuinely disgust me, and and you did the worst thing ever, which was talk over one of my stories. So that's just like, why well, sneezed? It. What are we gonna just like? I, it had to be acknowledged, dude. You can just hit the mute right there. Where? And oh, you mean on the actual oh, screen? My Christ! Oh. Can you pretend you worked in media for seventeen years? Good lord! Well, this uh, is anyway, embarrassing. Yeah, I I I watched that FA Cup final and uh. Just from the the refereeing decisions, I mean, VAR would have had a heyday um, against Liverpool that day. But um, yeah, and a, a brilliant win, a brilliant win. Uh, you have one question, um, which I want to be contrarian about. If you were to start a team, and every player in the world was available to you, would Holland be your top pick? Uh, is that what I said, or did I just say who would you go with? Um, did I? You said you said on my rundown who oh, would okay. be your top pick? Yeah, yeah. Who would it be? Um, I, it wouldn't be Holland for me. He, he's just. Holland's amazing, but just in terms of absolute entertainment, um, Kavicha Kavarachkaya. Um, really? Because uh, I, I don't think it would be Holland for me either. But I don't know that it would be Kavicha. I might uh, be an I might be an Mbappe guy. Uh, for me, it's Kavaradana right now. Just, just amazing. And like he's uh, he would be your number one pick in a world draft. Wow. Yep. That's you're putting a lot of pressure on that guy. Yeah, and then my over sec- Mbappe. My second pick will be Matoma. 
I like to be different. Yeah, you sure do. Third would be Esteban Cambiaso. <laughs> the ghost of Esteban Cambiaso. <laughs> you bring him out of retirement. Yeah, I'll wheel him out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Richard Dunn. Huh, interesting. I mean, how far down the list would we have to go before you got to Mbappe? Oh, Mbappe would be probably after Kavarskaya. So you'd go, you'd go Kavarskaya before you'd go Osiman? Uh, yes, I would. Should yes, we just talk about Napoli now? <laughs> yeah, let's do Napoli now. This is a perfect segue as they um, they take. It's not really because we don't get to talk about Napoli. Well, it's the perfect segue because we're talking about them. Well, but yeah, but you can't begin with Napoli because what we saw was an absolute freaking riot before the game. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that was. If you didn't see on on Twitter or anywhere really, uh, the scenes prior to the game on the streets of Naples were were. I mean, it almost looked like uh, some of them looked like a war zone. Cars on fire, riot police battling with people in the street. It, oh, and, and like coordinated hooliganism, the like of which we thought or naively thought or maybe just weren't paying attention had gone away. Yeah. So I'm going to I'll wade into these waters with a little bit of trepidation because in situations like this, the news kind of happens quickly. And so whatever you're hearing us say now, by the time you're listening to this, there's a chance the story may have changed in some way. And I know we've gotten those tweets before JJ from people who like can't comprehend the fact that we record at a certain time. It's not live when you're listening to it. And we see those tweets of come on guys do better. Well, this is what the news was now. So at this point, um, Eintracht Frankfurt fans were not, they were banned from attending this game um, because of incidents at their pre at the reverse fixture. Uh, They went anyway. And, went to Naples and these scenes unfolded, these clashes with police. There's reports from the guardian that there were also uh, Napoli ultras that were there. There were further reports that I read at the guardian stating that um, Atalanta fans had bought up a certain number of tickets and were going to give them to the Frankfurt fans. Uh, And maybe that was in some way uh, a catalyst to some of this, can I read um can I read Matt Ford in DW because he explains it um in a bit of detail. Yeah, please. So that so there was legal wranglings over over the tickets, over ticket allocation, over how this was to be handled. And and um I'll take it from here. Despite the German club having turned down their entire ticket allocation for the match at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona, after a series of legal wranglings with the Italian authorities, several hundred Frankfurt ultras still traveled to the southern Italian port city accompanied by, quotation marks, allied ultras from Italian side Atalanta. The majority arrived by train on Tuesday night and were taken by bus under police escort to the Royal Hotel Continental on the seafront in central Naples. They were joined on Wednesday morning by another 100 fans. Around midday on Wednesday, with their numbers swelled to around 600, the Frankfurt fans left the hotel and marched along the promenade, closely watched by Italian anti-terrorist police. Anti-terrorist police. Police. When it began to rain in the afternoon, they sheltered at cafes on the Piazza del uh, Gesù. Uh, local Italian media reported that Frankfurt supporters with valid tickets in the home sections would be allowed to proceed to the stadium, provided they did not have a registered address in the city of Frankfurt. The rest were to be ex- escorted back to the hotel to watch the match on a big screen. The atmosphere remained relatively subdued until late afternoon when with police taking up positions to escort Frankfurt fans back to their hotels, stones and bottles were thrown and skirmishes ensued. The situation escalated further when local Napoli ultras arrived on the scene 
and attacked the Frankfurt Ultras and the police with assorted pyrotechnics and fireworks. At least one police car was also set ablaze. I have so many questions. Go ahead. What was the Napoli Ultras issue with the police? Why Um, was that? I I, I presume the police were preventing them from getting at the the Frankfurt Atalanta access. So they wanted to get at the the combined military uh, might of Frankfurt and Atalanta. Atalanta and Napoli apparently hate each other. And their uh, their ultras have a a long-standing rivalry, or but I mean, if you you know enough that most teams uh, from the north, uh, teams from the south, uh, Napoli in particular, they kind of do hate each other anyway, and say rather nasty things and sing rather nasty things about each other in the grounds. Um, so again, I mean, I'm just really naive, and perhaps it's too long since I've read um, our friend James Montague's books on hooliganism but in those books he does talk about how firms from uh and ultras from different country or from different clubs and different countries often bond together um it's often out of a, a shared political view of the world so for example rangers and chelsea uh ultras we'll say the chelsea hardcore far right um, which we've seen little flashes of over the last 10 years but we thought were gone and and glasgow rangers they share how should we put it a a right wing uh, view Sens- of the sensibility? world, yeah. sensibility with with uh, I wouldn't say fascist undertones, like with like a hankering, a hard on for some Nazi. Uh, <laughs> is wait, is you... this all for real? Nazi, yeah, 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 Nazi imagery, and and also a very particular view on Northern Ireland on the situation in Northern Ireland. So, for example, when something as innocuous or what I thought was innocuous as the European Super Cup two years ago happened between who Chelsea was it Chelsea Liverpool or whoever it was in in Belfast. Um, there were Chelsea far right supporters marching with loyalist pipe bands to the game together in this kind of weird mixed together of football and politics, um, far right football and this politics. Is, these are yeah. things that American sports fans. It's so hard to wrap <laughs> our minds around this. Like I was just, I was watching the footage of what was going down in Napoli. And I was just thinking like, it's, it's very easy for me to see how, how these hatreds can develop because like I get angry when I see Niners fans come to Philly and put a stupid Niners Jersey on Rocky. I'm like, Oh, they got some nerve. They don't know what's coming to them. But like, imagine if they laid siege to the city, <laughs> Like you know, like imagine how quickly things would spiral and like hatreds would develop. By the way, it would also be the biggest deal in the history of sports in this country if a group of fans from one city went and rioted <laughs> another city. And that's prior why that, to, prior to a major game, like I mean, that's why for years, uh, most of America, uh, most of American fandom, particularly the baseball fans, who are just the most placid, gentle creatures, generally speaking, watched with absolute horror. As after Stanley Cup wins, like Canadian fans would turn over cars and light them on fire. Yeah, and Vancouver, I remember the the riots after their Stanley Cup. Yeah, so like, I mean, it's so. If I mean, if capitalism has done one thing to sport in America, it's to completely neuter it of any like of almost all its serious uh, potential for violence. Like it's gone. It's very. Well, but hard don't to make that sound like some kind of travesty. 
That's a good thing. That's a what are you hesitating? It is. <laughs> it's a good thing. Are you crazy? No, it's a it's a it's a good thing that no one that that's, there's not the potential for violence at 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 uh, American sporting games. But yeah, I mean, it also. I, I was in Center City. I was in Philadelphia when the Eagles lost one of the most the most heartbreaking game that I've experienced as a Philadelphia sports fan. There was no violence, and that's a city that's known for having maybe the rowdiest, most passionate fans in america like there was rowdy no and passionate are such kind terms for ignorant and boorish not ignorant ignorant is the wrong word uh, what's, but what's a better word overly aggressive nasty i think i nailed it with rowdy and passionate rowdy and passionate All but right. it was funereal like i think that's probably the right way to behave after a terrible sporting event like these seeing these scenes in other places of like I don't know. You lose and and you're breaking windows, like, flipping cars. Like I just I don't know. I don't but there's get it. I, but again, like it's even vast, weirder when you when you win. I guess vast supporters of we'll say for example, the Los Angeles Raiders. You know, I don't look at them and think, "There's your left wing Raiders. Look at them. They are th- that's that's something that doesn't exist in this country. Exactly. So there the is politi- not political affiliations with a, with teams. No. Here. At like, least not that I'm aware of. Like I remember a friend of mine, I had a, a Lazio jersey. I just happened to pick it up along the way, and I hadn't really thought about Lazio's longer standing history. Like the connotations of, of what yeah. that represents to some people. I just it was a it was a Puma jersey and I kind of liked it. And I a picture of it ended up on Facebook and a and a friend of mine goes, um you know, a guy with your kind of political opinions wearing that. And I was like, ah, didn't really think of it that way. But um, anyway, back to this. This yeah. is uh, this reminds me of um, this reminds real, me real of... quick, real quick, uh, just to put a bow on this, because there was one question I wanted to ask you. So yeah. the Eintracht Frankfurt fans that that were at the center of this, um, they were already because of pri- because of prior misbehavior, they were already banned from attending the game. Now, on top of that, they've still gone and done this. So where is the next place you go with punishment? Empty stadium? For home games in future European, like the next three European matches, like behind closed doors, like where, where they got, there's got to be something severe to this, I would think. Um, I mean, I imagine if there was, a, if there've been arrests, then there'll be football banning orders, uh, European banning uh, orders handed out. Like they'll go through the proper, um, those kind of proper channels. But it's, I mean, it's it's tough. Six hundred. It's a lot of people, but I'm sure, I'm sure the, I say, I'm sure the authorities, I would like to think the authorities have an idea of who was orchestrating this and who was at the top in terms of, of the respective ultras. I think Um, there's a, I think there's a behind closed doors fixture coming down the pike to that club. Yeah. Just a guess. Um, According to UEFA regulations, home clubs are obliged to offer 5% of total stadium capacity to supporters of the visiting team in a clearly segregated part of the stadium. Eintracht Frankfurt were therefore entitled to sell 2,700 tickets to their supporters for the match, for which many fans had already booked travel and accommodation, partly on six flights chartered by the club. However, following an ultimately unsuccessful series of legal challenges, Eintracht opted to reject their ticket allocation altogether and cancelled the charter planes, leaving the team to attempt to overturn a 2-0 defeat, a first leg defeat, without the backing of their supporters. 
On the evening of Monday, March 6th, Eintracht were informed by European football's governing body, UEFA, that the Italian Interior Ministry was preparing a decree for the following morning which would forbid SS Napoli from selling tickets to Frankfurt fans. Oh, my God. There's there's quite a bit to this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess... I guess the the Frankfurt fans were, the ultras were like, okay, if we can't win the game within the stadium, we'll win the battle outside of it. Wild. Um, They did not win the game inside the stadium. No. We're talking about favorites in this competition, and Napoli has to be in that conversation. They're just, they are just flying in in multiple competitions right now. They're going to win the league at a at a, a pretty easy canter, and. Um, they look equally as as dominant right now in the Champions League as well. I I got that feeling, man. I got that feeling. Could they do it? Imagine a league, a Syria and a, and a European Cup. It would be it would be just stunning, and it would be so good to see to see that happen for for Italian football, for for Napoli, the club themselves. By the way, the Oshiman header was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Such a good cross from the right-hand side, and he just gets up there and just powers that header home. They're, um, I, I, I keep repeating myself, I thought their chance had gone ages ago. I thought once Insigne and those guys were kind of, Dries Mertens were moved on, that the team would be neutered. That's not the case. They've never been, they've never been this potent. Never been this in control. It's pretty amazing um, that they've been able to do this. It just goes to show that if you have smart people running a club, Selling great players is not necessarily the end of days. If you reinvest the right way, it could actually just be the beginning of something even more special. I mean, to get Oshiman in, great. But to get Kavaritskaya in on the contract that they did, to nick him away from potential suitors, because people knew that he had talent, but it was Napoli that, that got him. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And um, and yeah, it was it was uh, so comfortable. So comfortable, comfortable against the Frankfurt side that... Um, yeah, they never they never really showed up in this one. Uh, Osiman now has twenty seven goal involvements, goals plus assists this season in twenty eight appearances for Napoli. He's he's incredible. He's incredible. It's uh, it's quite a team, JJ. It really is. Uh, let's see. You have anything else on this one? No, no. That's that's pretty much it for me. Uh, and then finally, we rounded out with um, Inter Milan advancing over FC Porto, nil nil on the night, but one nil overall on aggregate. Um, JJ Syria, ah, we just talked about Napoli. How about Syria? This league that we're kind of, you know, kind of down on, getting three teams into the quarterfinals of this competition. Yeah, uh, although, like you said or alluded to earlier, the way Inter Milan did it was maybe more of an Italian team of old because Porto, they just peppered them, absolutely well, peppered them, and they should have got, they should have taken this extra time. Well, they didn't pepper them until, I mean, I would say. So the 94th minute of this match, um, you had all in within the span of maybe what 45 seconds in that in the 94th minute with FC Porto needing a goal, you had a ball cleared off the line by Denzel Dumfries. Then you had immediately still within the same passage of play, like as that ball's cleared off the line, it's then recycled. And then uh what was it? A ball uh headed, saved onto the post. So it was Tarimi had a had a a shot and Onana saved it, pushed it onto the post. Really good save. And then it's recycled again, still the same passage of play. Yeah. Which and resulted there was a he- in 
a header, a header that crossbar. crashes off the crossbar. I mean, I'll challenge you again. It didn't result in a goal, um, but I'll challenge anyone to find a more thrilling individual minute of of soccer this so, season. So I've pulled out my two favorite minutes overall. Okay. Okay. That I, that now again. I'm sure I'm missing out on something at CO Soccer Pod on Twitter, cutoffsidepod at gmail.com, cutoffsidepod on Instagram. Give me your one minutes of madness in football, preferably with a goal, I would say. So let me just start with one um, that we always talk about. It's the Troy Deeney goal from the Anthony Knockart, yeah. uh, the, the missed penalty or the save penalty by Almunia at Watford Leicester in the championship a few years ago. We talk ad nauseum about it on the podcast. Um, I would say Manchester United versus Bayern Munich, Sheringham 90 plus one, Solskjaer 90 plus three. I mean, it's within the minute range uh, to win a European Cup final. Truly stunning. And then the final group game of Euro 2000 with a group that had Yugoslavia and Spain in it, with Spain 3-2 down in the 90th minute. And Mendieta, Gaiska Mendieta gets a penalty. He rolls it home. That's 3-3. And then... In the in the 90th, at the end of the 90th minute, then Alfonso uh, scoring to win the game 4-3 for Spain. Absolutely. One of the most stunning matches I've ever watched. Um, and uh, and again, I, 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 I regularly say it on this podcast. I think Euro 2000 was one of the best tournaments I've ever seen. I'm trying to think of, of the ones that I would submit to this. Um, in, in the World Cup final that just occurred, before, wasn't there, didn't Argentina have one saved at one end and then it came right back down where Emiliano Martinez made one of the greatest saves of all time against Colo Moani right at the end of, of like yeah. in the 122nd minute? That was a mad minute. I think there were things at, at both ends. I mean, obviously I remember the Martinez save. No one will ever forget that. But I thought Argentina had a chance at the other end too that then came, came back down the other way for France. I don't know. I'd have to go check. I guess the fact that I can't remember exactly hurts it in terms of where it ranks. But but this was just exhilarating stuff. God, those poor Porto fans. I mean, I can't really, not too many more difficult ways to lose. You know, losing on penalties is brutal. Uh, but having three opportunities like this in the span of 40 seconds, needing a goal to to send a game to extra time in the Champions League, that's, boy, that's just killer. It, it really is. And um, I think there'll be a lot of Porto players who were trudging off the field just thinking, oh, man, like, how do we not force one over the line? How do we not do it? Yeah. And uh, missed opportunity to take that at least the distance and uh, inter-trundle on. They sure do. Like we said, one of three Serie A teams rounding out the uh, the quarterfinal stage. I'll tell you what, let's go ahead. We'll take a break. I'll collect myself a little bit. I got a whole box of tissues here just begging to be used. Oh. Uh, so I'll go ahead and do that. We'll come back on the other side with some uh, American business to take care of, JJ. All right, so don't go anywhere. More caught offside still to come. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, back now on Caught Offside. Winding it down here on this uh, Caught Offside midweek edition. JJ, the, uh, the U.S. squad was announced for the upcoming Nations League. Oh, well, hang matches. on a second, Andrew. Just uh, hang on a hang on a second there. Just for one second. We have to briefly just talk about the World Cup that our U.S. boys will be playing in on home soil because the format of the groups was announced. Uh, let me quickly run through it because we'll have lots of time in the coming years to, to parse it. But uh, it'll be 12 groups of four, Andrew. Oh, um, well, well, well. Yes. Are you going to apologize? Apologize for what? Remember, I said at the end of the group stage how exhilarating it was. It was a big deal to me that they were switching to groups of three, that they were going to ruin all that drama. I cited the Henry. This is what spawned the Henry Bushnell stuff. I cited his article saying the same thing. You oh, made fun you... of me. Oh, no one cares about that. Oh, you and your Bushnell. You guys go care about it together. Well, apparently some people did care because they changed it for that very reason. They cited the drama of that last day of the group stage. So yeah. I will wait patiently for the apology. Yeah, but as well, yeah, but... Henry. Yeah, you you think okay? Let me finish. You think the drama is is preserved by this system? It is not, not. entirely, but it was the basis no, of the reason for change. It's, it's taken the drama's taken a bit of a blow. Uh, the top two teams, top two teams go through from from each group, obviously, but and the eight next best teams go through. The eight next best teams. Yeah, I forgot. So seventy two games at the group stage to get rid of sixteen teams, and then and we an go extra to round. A, what? And an extra round in the knockout stage. So we have a 32 World Cup uh, knockout round as well. That's 104 matches Yeah. in the World Cup. Feels like a lot. It does. I mean, it's going to, the, the tournament is going to be stretched out over about 40 to 45 days. You know, they just can't leave things alone. Yeah, but I thought yeah, we'll have time to discuss it, uh, uh, you know, in the coming years. But I, I just hate it. Well, there, yeah, I mean, there was not going to, once they expanded to 48, like, what were you, there was no liking it. Like, no. There, you know, it's just probably may slot into the category of too much football. Um, I don't know. I don't love it either. I think it's, I think it's perfect the way it is. Um, but, you know, what do I know? What do I know? It's, it's a bummer. Uh, but something tells me when when we get to it, we'll get excited and we'll be on board. Oh, you always say that. Come on, Snotface. Let's do the USMNT. 
Uh, let's see. Grenada and El Salvador matches against those two coming up in the Nations League. Roster announced earlier today. A um, few things stand out to me. Nothing overly crazy. Uh, I guess the big one being Tyler Adams is going to miss out. He suffered an injury on training with Leeds. So, I mean, it's not really a big deal for the U.S. As great as he is and how, however important he is for the U.S., you know, they. I would like to think that they would be okay against that kind of opposition, but I guess we'll see. But for Leeds, it's a it's a big blow. Um, so it's, it's terrible news. Yeah. It's absolute. It it is shocking news. It is irrelevant to the U.S. men's national team at this very moment in time. But for Leeds, that is that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that was the big thing for me when I saw that. Uh, aside from that, um, look, I'm not surprised that Gio Reyna was included in this squad. I kind of figured he would be, but it is still newsmaking in this, in this moment in time with current events being what they are, him going back into the U S squad is a big deal. Um, I'm very curious what sort of media access there will be to him at that, uh, around those matches. I, I think it's going to be extremely limited. Um, I think if they have any sense, they will limit it, <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh, the the potential for for distraction um, and for some pretty pressing questions. I don't see him being wheeled out for the for the general sessions. Well, yeah, I don't know. I'm torn on this. You're probably right. Maybe it's in everyone's. I don't know. Maybe it's in the best interest to just shield him from it. But yeah. there is part of me that thinks that that strategy does not work because controversies don't go away by not addressing them. If they trained him rigorously behind the scenes of how to deal with this, if they go out there and he shows some kind of contrition, if he speaks, you know, in as much as he can openly and honestly, um, you know, again, he'll have to be trained. He'll have to be coached a little bit to make sure he says the right things. and doesn't, you know, dig himself a little deeper uh, with this controversy. I do think that that, that could be the best method of actually putting it to bed. I don't know that him not addressing it all. I, I don't know that that solves it. I, I mean, I don't see there's no solving this because the two main actors, uh, despite his behavior in camp, and I, I really don't want to go over this again, but the two main actors in this are his parents. So he will be asked questions in which he will have to speak on their behalf. That is well, not a position, but that's that's part of the coaching. If he that says, is you not know, a position, that's, that's really a better question. Unfortunately for my mom or dad, I can't really speak for them on this. No, he's. I mean, I. The best thing is to not wheel him out and to just play him and, and try and uh, to use that cliche. Let us football do the talking. Um, but I mean, it's I guess it's good that he's back in the team. Uh, I know some players have already spoken about it. Who was it uh, that I was reading? I think Walker Zimmerman was saying that Gio Reyna, he's in their fantasy football group chat. Like they're all cool. Like they all, you know, they get along and maybe this is a huge deal outside of those walls. But within that room. Uh, it seems like guys have kind of moved on and that's, that's probably what, not probably that is what matters most. Um, a few other things, boy, really, really happy to see miles Robinson included in the team. That's awesome. Good for him. Uh, you know, his clearly his, uh, his rehab has come along great and um, it's good that he's back in the side. Uh, you know, anytime I see a guy come back from a catastrophic injury, I'm always happy for that guy. So yeah. Cool. And, and I honestly, there was, there was no reason to call up like Cameron Carter Vickers or someone like that. I think it was better to get Miles Robinson in and get him, get him back well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but like, this is, he's, I believe he's the only MLS player in this. This is the one 
window where uh because this is an international like everybody fifa recognizes this international window uh so all the european players are included but then this is going to be another one of those kind of on and off years for how the u.s puts their squads together like this is pretty much exclusively european players except for him uh and then in the next window uh it'll revert back to mls players gold cup will probably be an mls based squad nations league will probably be european based squad it's kind of annoying i sort of wish we could just like get some games with the regular team whatever that may be uh i kind of hate that hopefully copa america will be that better be um but yeah so that's that's probably how they're going to do it again so i was I mean, you mentioned Carter Vickers, no Chris Richards as well, but um, but Austin Trusty called in. Yeah. How about that? Good for him. Uh, sure. Birmingham City. What is he? He's an Arsenal player, right? Who's on loan with Birmingham. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. it's again, one it's of these not union products. Op- opportunity to take a look at him, um, assess him. And that's why, you know, there's there's guys who have, how would I put it, full calendars in, in their respective leagues and, um, like it's it's just no harm to see to see it mixed up a bit and have different players in. I it very hard to assess anything from games against Granada and El Salvador. And and honestly, live on HBO, I don't think uh, whoever's missing out, I don't think is going to be terribly crestfallen about it. Uh, Alex Zendejas getting called right into the squad after declaring for the U.S. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Getting thrown right into the mix. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one for me. Um, and now the audio you're about to hear is not uh, Alex Indejas, who has, uh, you know, his statement, he said how proud he was of his, his Mexican heritage and, and, you know, but he very, very much wanted to represent the United States. Uh, it was kind of standard kind of statement that you get from a player. But um, Lizzie Becherano of 90 Minutes, who we know. Yeah. Yeah. She came into oh, how many years ago now? Four or five years ago? At least, yeah, probably. She came in studio to I don't know. Hang do people obs- do observe us? I don't know, but <laughs> like we're uh, gorillas in a cage. <laughs> we we're studied. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, sorry, this is what Alex Zendaya said. Uh, very proud of being Mexican American. Values from both cultures have made me the person I am today. I've had the privilege of experiencing life in two countries. I'm grateful for all the opportunities the United States and Mexico have provided me and my family. Making a decision on your international career is very difficult, and I believe in following your heart. Mine tells me that my future lies representing the USA. So that's the tenor of what he says. But this is kind of an interesting piece of audio that maybe suggests that these decisions are not quite uh, driven by feeling or a particular um, love for any one country. Maybe they're more practical decisions. This is Cade Cowell uh, talking in January to Lizzie Becherano of 90 Minutes about his his obvious potential to play for both the US or Mexico. I really could play for both. If one doesn't call me, I can play for the other. It's really what it is. So um, honestly, pretty lucky to have that. Um, and just keep an open mind about it. And what's your connection to Mexico, truly? What do you mean connection? Like emotional connection. Like what do you what do you feel connected to from Mexico? Because I know United uh-huh. States, you obviously live here. Yeah. So, um, I mean, honestly, I don't have too much of a connection. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've only been on like trips with, for soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my brother has been way more than me. <laughs> but I'm sure his connection is much more, but I don't have that much of a ca- connection now. Did you find that interesting? I've, I've never it's... heard any, anyone be so candid about the choice and not talk about 
their family or their, you know, their love of the culture or being brought up in either culture or either camp. None of that. I think he is he is saying what I think we may suspect sometimes, but have no way of proving yeah. about certain players. Um not just for the US, for any any players who are dual nationals or even have, you know, citizenship to to three countries. You know, he's he's basically saying yeah, I mean, what I, what I take from it is I'm American. I happen to have Mexican citizenship as well. Whatever gets me playing international football is what I'll do. Yeah. It's not about what it's not about. How, do I feel American or do I feel Mexican? I feel like, again, I'm I'm taking a lot from what he said here and putting my own thoughts and words to it. But what I'm gathering is I'm an I'm an American guy. But like if Mexico is the team that'll play me. Oh, well, I, I happen to be able to do that. So that's what I'll do. Like, he just wants to play international football. He doesn't really, it's not about anything emotional. He just no. wants to play on the international stage. It's about playing for a team. That's literally it. Is this um, okay? Like, is well, it, I, it, I don't want to say it makes me uncomfortable, but, you know, I don't know. You see guys out there and like, you know, they, the way the Italians sing their national anthem, the way yeah. guys are crying on the field uh, for their teams, they're kissing the flag, their badge. And then you have this guy who's being pretty open and saying, I don't have an attachment to that country, but I'll play for them if they'll have me. Like, <laughs> that's just, it's a very weird juxtaposition to the emotion because let's let's be honest, sometimes the international game, it's not always a thing of beauty, but what we love about it is just how purely emotional it is, how these guys would it, you sometimes think they'd die for their countries um, with, with what they give to it. You know, that's not it's not for the money that they're really doing this. Um, it's for the passion of it. But that's not it's not what you're getting from Cade Cowell. He just wants to play on the international stage. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was it was interesting. And uh, maybe it was kind of Ricean. Uh I mean, Declan Rice was so over the moon to play for Ireland until he wasn't, until England were really good at a World Cup and his head was turned and he ended up playing for them. Maybe there's, I mean, I don't, there's no point using evocative or emotive terms like like mercenary or anything like that, but I don't know, maybe national pride and and, 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 a, and sense of, of belonging to country are for younger people these days and Kate Cowell's 19 outdated and outmoded ideas. I don't, I'm not going to make that generalization off of this guy's comment. No, I'm not. I'm saying for some people it, it, way more than, than in the past. Yeah. He, I mean, again, he probably thinks it would be cool to play in a world cup. If the U S won't give me that chance, I'll go to where I can do it. The and fact if that, that team it, will, then so be it. The fact that it doesn't matter is, is, is interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Good job by Lizzie. Yeah, Pretty great cool. question. What is your connection? Yeah. <laughs> really yeah, good. Good stuff. Um, let's see. Anything else on the uh on the old squad there, JJ? Any awkwardness with uh, with Zach Steffen and Ricardo Pepe immediately being ushered right back into the team after not being on the World Cup roster? No, not for me, Clive, because the man who made those decisions ultimately isn't there. Hmm. So there's no awkwardness. If anything, it's like Let's go in there and show that guy who is no longer manager um, or not manager currently, we should say. Um, no, I don't think there'll be any awkwardness. Why would there be? No. Um, let's see. Let's round it out now with a little CONCACAF Champions League. Um, a lot of things have happened. Orlando City with a pretty, I mean, 
they left it all out there. That was a really tough matchup for them with Tigres. Um, and unlike in UEFA, CONCACAF is, is hanging on to that away goals rule, and it just killed Orlando City in the second leg as they bow out 1-1. That's tough. That's a tough one. Um, the Union go through 4-0. Um, don't really have much to say about it. Really, J.J., all of this is, a, is about what happened in Austin. Just like you said, this is cinematic. Absolutely cinematic. Um, and the Athletic, uh, Alexander Abnos and, and Pablo Mar, they kind of phrased it perfectly. Haitian side, Violet, completed perhaps the biggest upset in CONCACAF history Tuesday night, holding MLS side Austin FC to a 2-0 win in the second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League round of 16, which allowed the Caribbean side to advance to the quarterfinals with a 3-2 aggregate win. Um, they had three substitutes. Three. This is a team, because of visa reasons, couldn't bring the full complement of players that they had for the first leg. I believe five of their starters from the first leg were unable to travel for the second. And they and they held Atlanta. Austin. Excuse me. They held Austin to 2-0. And thus, they continue in the tournament. And Austin go out. It's incredible. Austin it's had 35 shots. 10 on target. They scored two goals. Uh, Violetta yeah. had zero. Zero shots on target. Um, this is both an amazing story and a, and, and a true embarrassment. <laughs> now, Austin fans were, are, while they, while they should be ashamed of what happened here, um, they'll probably also simultaneously be screaming about some of the, uh, the officiating decisions. I mean, fa- like, yes, I can see their complaints. There were some calls in this game, the VAR review. I, I don't, I just, I don't know what happened there. I I can't explain it, but I'm sorry. I'm going to save my sympathy for another day. Like you went down there and you lost three nil to them. You know, like you put yourself in this position where you're relying on stuff like that against this team that hadn't played a competitive match in 290 days because of violence in the country. They have players who live hours. They're based in Port-au-Prince. I was reading um, Joshua Cloak's piece in the athletic. It was phenomenal. Um, he wrote about Violet. He said, technically, Violet's players are professionals, but having second jobs is necessary in a country with a per capita GDP of $1,664, according to the 2021 estimates from the United Nations. That number is the lowest of any country in the Americas. Uh, Stephen Saba, the captain, works in a hardware store that has been owned by his family for two generations. And when San Milan, another player, returns home from training, he hits the books. Champions League games or not, the 18-year-old is still a few credits shy of the requirements for a high school diploma. I mean, JJ, this is a team that's had to cut training sessions short because of rioting outside the stadium. They've got players who live nowhere near Port-au-Prince, and they have they can't train at night because they're afraid for these players' safety, traveling back an hour or more uh, in darkness. I mean, like like I said, haven't played in 290 days because the league has been shut down. It's It doesn't make sense that something like this can happen, but it's why we love this stuff, because things like this can happen. Uh, just an unbelievable story. I know the CONCACAF Champions League doesn't receive the this, this sort of attention as a World Cup or a Euros or a Champions League or Premier League or whatever, uh, but I'm sorry. If, if the movie rights are out there, like start the bidding should begin immediately. It's, an, it's just an insane story. Uh, so I, I'm just I'm blown away by it. I saw this uh, tweet last night from the Austin FC account. And again, it's so important 
that you keep your social media people in line. They've got too much power in football. Who thought that this was the correct phrasing? Our Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League 2023 run comes to an end. Now, I thought this was bad, so I tweeted about it. Adrian Healy, who works for them. Uh-oh. Adrian tweeted this. Run. Run. Please take this down. An <gasps> embarrassing enough night without this. Oh. And that's coming from the Healy master. Yeah. Wow. That is. Yeah. Uh, he's right. I mean, like, yes, that in itself to call it a run is embarrassing. Um but this this performance is pretty shocking. I mean, look, they went for it. I mean, God knows they had, they had chances in this game. Um, goal disallowed. Like I said, a bizarre decision on VAR to not award a penalty. Um, but this is this is an incredible story uh, that this that will bond this group of players for Violetta for the rest of their lives. It was really a pretty amazing triumph for them to be able to hang on the way they did. And it came and the fact that it came right down to the final seconds. Uh, ball cleared off the line by the goalkeeper as as pretty much one of the final acts of the game. I mean, it took right to the very end for this one to be decided. Um, incredible, incredible stuff. Yeah, you see how long their run can go. It's 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 absolutely amazing. It, it it. I wish them only the best, and and like you're like you said, there's got to be a movie in this. There just has to be. Uh, Alexander Abnos had a tweet about it. He said, Violetta's approximate squad value, JJ. Want to guess what the what the value of the squad is? Uh, what, about 20,000? No, it's more than that. And now 50,000. Now, now I sound foolish. It's 100,000. 100, 160. 160. But most of that, but actually, but if Austin you look at... is over 50 million. 50 million. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And the club is worth 500 million, is it? Yeah. Okay. Austin sure. plays in a in a two hundred and sixty million dollar palace. Alexander Abnos writes. Meanwhile, Violetta for their match had to travel across country lines to play in a a, a tree lined field in the Dominican Republic. A yeah. gorgeous tree, nonetheless, but still <laughs> still odd and unusual. Just just incredible incredible stuff. I, I I do think though. I mean, I said that Tottenham Hotspur should should fold after. <laughs> I think Austin should probably wrap it up. Like seriously, <laughs> just leave it as a concert venue. South South by Southwest is happening. Have South by Southwest leave leave the venue there for for some of the bigger acts because it's not for football. Look, they made a run. All right, they went. They they did as <laughs> much as they could. They went on a run. Sadly, it came to an end. Well, you, know, more... you know, you know, I'm as pro MLS as it gets. But oh, even yeah. I watched this and I was like, this is this is pretty cool what we're seeing here. Speaking, yeah. though, of, of trying to watch. Uh, so I wanted to watch the Union game. I mean, this stuff is just this stuff is just so frustrating. And I give credit to Kevin Kincaid, uh, Philadelphia media personality, writes at, at Crossing Broad, does podcasting there. Huge soccer fan in Philly. He's great. Um, but he tweeted. He said, all right, who's going to hook us up with the illegal stream for Union Alianza tonight? This is a good snapshot of the absurdity of sports broadcasting in 2023. I already pay for YouTube TV, Disney, Hulu, ESPN Bundle, Peacock, HBO Max, and Apple TV, and I still can't get the effing Champions League Union game, which is being played at home in Philadelphia. Like, soccer fans, we're trying. We want to consume the content. But the hoops that you got to jump through to get to it, God in heaven, is it frustrating. I was relying on my buddy Shafay. 
he was so he went and sprung for whatever it was like two bucks that he had to pay to I don't even know who the outlet was to be able to see the game. He was he said it in jest. He was like, hey, maybe I'll uh, put it on my iPad and then FaceTime you guys with my phone. Ha ha. And I was like, uh, yes, please. <laughs> but he didn't. I think he thought I was joking, too. I was deadly serious. So we're relying on text updates and tweets. It's so typical, typical of you not to ask him for what you want. Just say, yeah, can you do that? I said, like, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you, our, our MLS jump to conclusions next week is going to be fun. I can't wait. I jumped to the conclusion that Austin should fold as a club. I can't wait. That's next week. Perfectly timed. It's an FA Cup weekend, right? Uh, yeah, so, I think so. Yeah. So it's nice as we head into an international break. It's it's all good. It's Can all I good. do one quick thing before we get out? No, time is up. Is it? I'm I am not I'm not a well man. You can hear it not only cuz I'm completely clogged uh, but I'm also, I don't have my mic yet. I ordered one. I'll have it for our next podcast for Jump to Conclusions Week and MLS next week. Uh, what what do you have that's so important that you're going to make me suffer through another three minutes here? I, I just ignored this from the weekend uh, from, from Conte. Um, okay. I, I think it was from last week from Champions League, but this is what he said. We can't do miracles. The club knows my ideas. It's clear. We'll see what happens in the future. I'm not stupid to kill myself. Until the end, though, I am ready to die for this club. But then we'll see. I'm not too stupid to keep killing myself. And uh, my mate John uh, Rossi, he he responded by saying, "This sounds like my nana, Ori, cleaning up after everyone." And it it just absolutely, when you think about it, it's like all our mothers. Well, I'm just absolutely stupid to be killing myself cleaning up after you. <laughs> and then it got me thinking. Is Antonio Conte, in fact, Livia Soprano? I wish the Lord would take me now. Oh, I wish the Lord would take me now. <laughs> uh, uh, Conte is anyway. good for a soundbite. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's it, though. Like, when you become Livia Soprano and everyone's comparing you to their nana, it's uh, it's kind of over. Yeah. I should say, speaking of Spurs, uh, what a shout-out I got to give to our guy Newman uh, from Memphis Spurs. Uh, he sent me a hat, two hats, actually. Well, one of them was meant was meant for my girlfriend, I think. But I, oh. I'm, I can't have. I have too much stuff in this apartment where there's a baby on the way. So, uh, so I gave. So it you to can't you. fit a hat. <laughs> Literally, right now, I am. Uh, I'm getting rid of everything. Everything must go. This is, wow. I wonder if he's okay with it. That hat was intended for for her. Yep. Right. But um... I'd like to gift it back to her. It's mine okay, now. We'll... I can do with it what I please. I'd like to gift it to her. Okay, but it's a nice hat, right? Yeah, I think she should wear it during the birth. Actually, <laughs> would that be you're... okay? No, you want to put a hex on my child. <laughs> uh... The child comes out and sees a Spurs hat. He's cr- she is crawling back up in there. That's the problem. It'll be the longest labor ever. This is our child, Emerson Royale Devaney. Oh, right. Emerson <laughs> can go. It can be a unisex name. Beautiful name. Andre Vias Boas Devani. Tim Sherwood Devani. All right, easy. The child, I swear to God, the child will crawl back in there. Can't have it. Uh, This was a joy. This was a joy. I feel better already. Uh, We'll be back, of course, again next week with a look back at everything going on this weekend. Like I said, some FA Cup stuff. We even had some Premier League today that we didn't have a chance really to get into, but a couple couple results happened. You'll find it. And we'll do our MLS jump to conclusions pod next week as well, which I'm always, which I love. Um, 
it should be a lot of fun because I have a lot of conclusions that I'm ready to jump to even after just uh, what will it be like four games or so. Yeah, so I think uh, I think St. Louis are the best MLS team we've ever seen in the history of football. That's so the conclusion. Go. And yeah. we'll see if we decide to jump to that next week or not. Hey, this was fun, man. To you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365 day returns.